This episode is brought to you by Audible, where you have access to over 180,000 titles of audiobooks ready for your consumption as you multitask. And if you visit audibletrial.com slash the minimalist vegan, you'll be able to grab an audiobook of your choosing for free. Again, all you need to do is visit audibletrial.com slash the minimalist vegan to grab your free audiobook. Thank you for supporting our show. What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Marsha, every week to discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism on this show in addition to recipes and articles of which you can find on theminimalistvegan.com. In this episode, strap in because it's a pretty long one. We got, we, we, we're talking about blogging. Somebody asked us on social media the other week how we got into blogging full-time. We thought, you know what, that's going to be an interesting topic for us to talk about because we love talking about blogging and it will also give you a bit of insight into our journey. And uh, it is a long episode because we go all the way back to the beginning of when we first started blogging. So hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit different to last week. We wanted to change up uh, the content because it was pretty hard-hitting. Uh, after talking about how is there a humane way to to eat and slaughter meat and uh, we wanted to lighten it up a little bit this week and and try something a bit different anyway i hope you enjoy the conversation and i'll chime in after the episodes to fill in any gaps all right you ready to talk about our journey of blogging i'm so ready (laughs) i know you're definitely ready Mm. (laughs) Good luck uh, to you getting a word in. Yeah, no, that's cool. I already dominated last week. Yeah. But you know what? That's I'm glad we're talking about this topic. And thank you, Marshall, for suggesting this one because... You and know, you were on fire as soon as uh, I was like, yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah. 30 minutes in, you'd written about an essay of about <laughs> half a book. Yeah, well, I'm very passionate about blogging. What can I say? And I think last week it was a pretty, it was a pretty heavy episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, it was, you know, talking about dissecting what humane meat is and what that means in our culture. So it was, it was a heavy episode. So yeah, so it's nice to, to come back in this episode and, and, and talk about something that's a little bit more lifestyle, but still ironically still ties into the intersection of minimalism and veganism because... I mean, essentially, that's why we're here now. That's why we're recording this podcast. It's, it all started with our blog. Yeah. And I thought we could start this conversation by, you know, just like you can get deep in a vegan bubble and then you think you surround yourself with content and people that understand a vegan lifestyle and then you sometimes lose connection with people who are not vegans. You lose connection with the outer, like the outside world. And this, this can happen twofold in blogging as well. And I think um, when I was talking to you off air about explaining to people what a professional blogger is, you're like, why do we need to do that? And it's like, because majority of the people who listen to this podcast probably don't even know what that is. I mean, what? how would you explain that to somebody? A professional blogger? Yeah. Someone that makes a living writing content and posting it online yep. and sharing it with the world yep. or sharing it with their specific audience. And sharing their knowledge, their insights, their experience, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And 
And I think it's it's no different to any field where you can either do something as a hobby or you can do it professionally. Hmm. So you can be a hobby musician or you could be a professional musician hmm. where you get paid to tour or sell merchandise or whatever it is. The same thing with athletics and it's the same thing with blogging. So the majority of bloggers are in it for the hobby, for the hobby of sharing and connecting with the community. And then there's a small percentage of people who are able to make a living from blogging. Um, so well, that's really the difference, right? Yeah. Is having someone that does it as a hobby that might be making a little bit of income, but that's not enough to have it as a self-sufficient gig yep. or someone that's actually able to monetize it to a degree where they can be self-employed. Yes. And I think it's a, a lot of people want to become professional bloggers because of the appeal of flexibility. Mm. Um, because, and as we'll explain a little bit later on in this episode, but being a pro blogger means that you're able to make money predominantly online, which then means that you're no longer tied to a specific location. So there's a huge community of young mums that blog because the you know it gives them the flexibility to be at home with their newborns and their children and still be able to earn a living. I know this, do you remember the early conversations we used to have back when we were sure we wanted children? We don't at the moment. You can go go back and listen to an episode about that one as well. We'll link to it in the show notes. But a big motivation for wanting to become full-time bloggers was to have the flexibility to be able to homeschool our children. Yeah. So um, that was a big appeal uh, from a commercial standpoint. And also to be your own boss so that you don't have to answer to anybody else. You can work when you want to work. Yes. However much you want to work. You know, I think it's that's probably also a big component of it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and it's accessible. Like it's not, mm. it's like you can start a blog very cheaply or basically next to no money. Yeah. Um, and, and start to build an audience. So... Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't want to mix that up with saying that it's easy. No. It's not easy at all. Not at all. But it is approachable and very desirable for a lot of people. And I think people romanticize about it a little bit too much or hear from others that, you know, they're making six figures from blogging, you know, just for one year and getting into it. Yeah. But a lot of the time they don't hear the backstory of how they actually managed to get there to be able to make that six-figure income yes. or where that six figures is coming from or, you know, maybe they got funds to get themselves started so that they could go full-time in it when they weren't making any money. Yes. So there's there's typically, like, no one makes it overnight and I think that that's a point that we want to make because it it is a lot of hard work. Yeah. And since we went full-time in April, we've worked our butts off. I think we've I think we've worked our tails off since the beginning, and I think this is a yeah. really good segue to talk about um, just what type of journey we've been on mm, to get to, to today to, to even get to this point, and uh, it's pretty epic. But I think um, if I could just kick off, and I'd love yeah. to uh, get you to share about how you got into blogging or what your first experience was with it. But I started. My first blog in November 2013, it was a blog based on the topic of astrology because at the time I was obsessed with astrology and I was reading up a lot on other bloggers' experiences about how to start a successful blog and the common advice was to 
be really specific about your niche yeah. and your audience. So don't try and um, be, be too broad trades. or jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, pick an angle yeah. so that when people find your content, a specific audience, they really resonate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I took astrology and I narrowed it down to just the Aries star sign because I'm an Aries star sign. Um, and, and I'm also an Aries star sign. And you're an Aries star sign as well. We're only 12 days apart. Yes. And in the same year. So I thought, uh, look, I, I read a lot of content online about astrology, but I couldn't find any content that was so specific about the Aries star sign. So I thought, well, why don't I create this? And I did. Why don't I create a blog that talks about <laughs> me, 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 me? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know what? It was, I just thought it would, uh, it might resonate with a small specific well, bunch of people. Because I'm sure there's plenty of Aries globally. Yeah, there is. And, uh, and I took this really seriously, like very seriously. For the first blog, uh, and I wouldn't recommend this, but for the first project, I invested. Like I spent like $100 on a, on a logo and I spent hours upon hours upon hours learning how to design a blog. And but that's because like we're both perfectionists and we want everything that we put out into the universe to look good. Yes. Like we're very particular in how we represent ourselves. True. And you also want to stand out because there's a lot of rubbish out there. Yeah. And you want to look good so that people actually, when they come to your website, they go, oh, this guy's legit. Yes. You know, like I want to stick around and I want to see what he's about rather yes. than like, oh, this is just some poorly put together last minute or, yeah, you good, know what I mean? Good design builds trust. Yeah. Sure, your content needs to be good. That's more important. Yeah. But yeah, that design, design is first is impressions. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. But I, I think I underestimated this, the learning curve mm. of learning WordPress. So WordPress is like the content management system. So it's, it's like the software you use to write all of your content, upload your images, uh, share Just social media everything. links and manage everything. Yeah. You know, another example of a CMS would be something like Squarespace. If you listen to podcasts, you've probably heard a lot of advertisements for Squarespace. Squarespace more specializes in portfolio sort of websites and WordPress is really for bloggers. So people who are constantly creating new content for an audience. Or if you've got a store, like what we did with our online store and we had one, we used Shopify. Shopify, yes. Yeah, so that's mainly when you want to sell things. Yeah, like it's got an e-commerce and it's got a cart um, and things like that. But Shopify, um, not Shopify, sorry. Squarespace. But Squarespace tends to be a good marriage of the two because it's got the um, capabilities of having a shop front as well as the blog Blogs. sort of component. Yes. Yeah. So you're absolutely we've right. We've tried a bit of everything. Yeah, we've used all three platforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I built up this this blog and I was really passionate about the Aries star sign. So I uh, read up information and then I decoded it in my own language and published the content. So I had like a list of about 100 topics that I wanted to write about and I just started chipping away. Um, and then I figured out, oh, well, I need to promote my content. Otherwise, nobody is going to even know that I exist. But see, it's interesting because <clears throat> a lot of people don't even get to that point to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just create great content and people will just flood in. You know what I mean? Sure. 
like unless you actually do proper research and work out how to properly market your website yes, and know how to do that, then you wouldn't, you'd be like, but I'm writing such good content and I'm sharing it maybe on social media with my friends and family. Why am I not getting more than 10 views a day? You know? Yeah. So it's you're right. like actually properly diving deeper into search engine optimization. Well, this is the thing, right? SEO. Because I think it's, um, it's, it's easy to feel like if you build it, that will come, you know, yeah, that type which of mentality. A lot of people yeah. Kind of go, okay, I've pressed publish now, sit back and relax and yeah. watch the numbers roll in or the, the dollars roll in. Well, you know on what, what? A lot of, publish. and you mentioned a few um, terms, I don't know, like SEO and analytics and views. So we'll probably get into this a bit later, but I think uh, for me, I did a lot of research up front. So I was aware of some of these things mm. and I was aware of how I wanted to market the blog in the first place. So, but this is where I learned how to use social media. So I was able to learn how to use, like, I started my first Facebook page. Yeah. And I had a Twitter account. So there's Twitter a difference account between Facebook page. And a profile. And just your personal profile. Yes. Yeah. I st- started a Pinterest account. Instagram wasn't around at the time, but I used Twitter. That's so weird. It's strange, isn't it? Well, maybe it was, but it just wasn't, like, no one was on it. When did Instagram start? I yeah, I'm pretty sure it was around. Maybe it was. But just no remember. one was really on it. Yeah. It wasn't. It was all about Facebook at that time. And probably a bit more on Twitter too. Yeah, Twitter and Tumblr was still a thing too back then. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I realized that if I shared an article on my Facebook page, well, then I needed to get like people to follow my Facebook page. Yeah. To follow my Pinterest. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really about using your own personal networks to build up those pages and then people start to engage with your content. But what I realized is that because it was all about the airy star sign and it was so focused, people would find the content and then I binge got, on it. And they'll binge on it because, of course, it was about them. Yeah. <laughs> so, and people love and reading and about then people, themselves. Yeah. And people constantly be commenting saying, oh, that's so, so me. Or they'll tag their friend who was an Aries and they'll be like, oh, this is so you. Like, so it was really interesting to get that initial feedback and go, oh my God, people are interacting with this. Yeah. And then like creating like these quotes on Pinterest to create these images um, around the Aries star sign. People really loved quotes. So I started to figure out what worked on social media and what didn't. But then like most bloggers, new bloggers, you get impatient to try and make money with it because that's you hear all these success stories of bloggers. So I started to race to try and monetize this. So it went from like just a pure passion project to like, hmm, I think I could start generating a bit of income. Yeah, and I'll tell you, and I, I think the reason why is that as good as social media was, it wasn't until like I installed uh, the analytics software and it tells you how much traffic you're getting to your website and how many people are visiting each article. And I realized this blog post about the top 10 characteristics of the Aries star sign or something like that was getting like 50 to 100 visits a day. And and that was big back then. Oh, it was huge. Or oh, even, hey, I'll take that now for any yeah. article. But it was massive and it just, it was consistent. Mm. And it was because it ranked. So when you typed in like Aries characteristics at the time, yeah, um, or Aries traits, yeah, then Imagine my post where that blog would be now, because so many more people are into astrology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, so people like so the post itself would come up on the top, like the first, second, or third result that you click on in the search results when you type in that keyword. Yeah. And this will just give me consistent traffic every day. And it blew my mind because like when you share something on social media, you get like a spike of interest and then mm. it dies off. Mm. But because I was getting consistent traffic, I'm like, oh my God, I need to learn more about this stuff. So the process of having content rank in Google and having your content rank in Google is something called search engine optimization or SEO for short. I started to learn about how to get better at SEO to get the content found. And then, so I put ads up on my website at the time, uh, which sent me like a few dollars as a check in the mail, uh, which absolutely blew my mind. Even though it was a couple of dollars, it's like, oh my God, you can actually make money doing this stuff. So that was amazing. Uh, eventually, I tried to create some merchandise and... I burnt out really quickly. What I realized is that I wasn't an expert in astrology. So I found it hard to continue to write content about. Not that I wasn't even an expert. I didn't have sustained interest in the topic. It was more of a trend in my life. So I found it hard to create consistent content around it. So I tried to actually outsource the content creation. And then I learned about websites like Fiverr. So F-I-V-E-R-R.com which is basically a whole marketplace of freelancers who provide services starting at $5. So um, I was able to like get people to create like a 500 word article article for $5 and um, I'll get them to write about astrology. Surely it wasn't $5. It was. Well, I, I got quality writers for like 10 to $15 an article. Right. Yeah. But you could... Literally, somebody would write 500 words for $5. It wouldn't be the best quality, but you could do that. So this was an introduction into working with freelancers as well. But that was probably the first mistake, is trying to outsource the content. And then I tried to build like a merchandise store. Like I tried to sell t-shirts with astrology phrases and things on t-shirts because I figured out that there's some company that could just print directly onto the t-shirts and send it directly to the customer on demand without me having any inventory. So I thought that would be a great opportunity. So I tried to do that. Didn't make any sales because I had huge expectations. And then I gave up because I was running out of content. I wasn't as passionate about it. I was frustrated that I wasn't getting any results. And then eventually I was just like, oh, this blogging stuff is, this blogging idea is not working. So I stopped it. And that's a really common sort of experience for new bloggers is having really high expectations. It might be a passion project. They get some traction and then they rush through to try and monetize it and then they get disappointed and then they give up. So that's how I started uh, blogging. And although Aerosology didn't quite work out the way I expected it to work out, I did gain a lot of valuable skills for future projects. So I learned how to build a blog on WordPress, I learned how to manage something, you know, manage things like a domain name and web hosting. I learned how to generate traffic. I learned how to use social media. I learned copywriting. I learned how to make my first couple of dollars. I learned how to build an e-commerce store. I learned how to work with freelancers and I learned how to like manage a content schedule. So I got a lot of skills out of the experience. Um, that I was able to transfer to future projects. So that's how I got into blogging. What about yourself, Marsha? Do you remember how what your first experience was like blogging? Yeah, so I 
started, I don't know actually, when did I start my photography business? 2011? Sounds about right. Yeah. So I started, so I I did my photography degree, moved, I wanted to be a travel, a food and travel photographer when I graduated and I moved to Sydney, had all these plans of being a photography assistant and that didn't quite work out because it was the recession. No one was, no one had it in their budget to hire assistants at the time. So I moved back to Canberra and I was scratching my head going, I don't know, like that's not going to happen here. Mm. There's no money in food and travel photography. There's like no one's hiring. Like all of that stuff's in the bigger cities. And Canberra's just not a place where you get that sort of work. Mm. Or I just have to travel all of the time. And I mean with travel photography you would, but it would just be like you'd have to travel to Sydney and they might as well just get someone that actually lives in the city. So I started brainstorming, well, what am I going to do? to actually what kind of work in photography can I get and build a business on in Canberra. So I started my own portrait photography business, Mm -hmm. but mainly specialising in kids, Mm -hmm. in uh, natural environments, using natural light, you know, mainly outdoors with family photos and all of that. But like kind of really getting them in in the dirt, getting them in there, sort of connecting with nature and all of that sort of stuff. That was kind of like my thing. So I kind of tried to marry the food with mm. with the families and children. Yep. And I was really enthusiastic at the beginning and I started um, – so I had like three, four different websites through that process and I had that photography business for four years. And when I would shoot a family – So three, four websites, did you – make that build those websites yourself no so they were all designed and made for me Uh i could just um manage the back end to be able to do the bare essentials in terms of uploading the images and changing content and all that sort of stuff um but it's sort of there was always some restrictions like typically when you work with a designer you normally have to go back to them to make adjustments for things, especially when I had no clue about anything. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the really hard thing. But I, as you, I wanted to look professional. I wanted everything. I'm such a perfectionist that everything had to be exactly like I probably was some of my designer's worst nightmare as a client (laughs) because I would just go back and forth for a long time and I'd never be 100% happy because I felt like I communicated something to them but that wouldn't translate into the design. Yeah. So not, there was maybe, I mean, in the end, most of them turned out like how I wanted but not like 100% how I wanted. Anyway, so towards the end, so my last website, I mean, most of them had a blog attached but it was kind of just like a portfolio, like here are some pictures and that was it. Mm. But not until I got my last website done and got a proper blog on there did I start storytelling more to go along with the images that I would upload from their session Mm -hmm. and share a little bit more of an insight. And I guess I was looking at what other photographers were doing at the time in that niche and was going, okay, well, you know, like I guess... Most people go, well, if they're doing that, I should probably do that too. Sure. So, was doing that and then I thought, well, 
I should just start like doing other content to start attracting potential commercial opportunities because I started doing some shoots for magazines. Um, I started reaching out to different kids magazines Uh to be featured in them. And then I started doing some DIY stuff uh, like how to make your own pom-poms at home. So I do like a step-by-step process of how to do that. And so that was kind of like my first introduction into like proper blogging in that right. sense. Right. Um, and that later on when I was, I think I'd almost at that point had shut my website down, but a magazine, I think it was in, I'd say Norway, Finland, Netherlands, somewhere there, mm-hmm. found that blog post and wanted to actually pay me to use that content in their upcoming magazine, print magazine. So I was like, sure. I mean, I'm not going to use this stuff anymore anyways. You might as well have it and give me some money. So I got a check in the mail for it and I was like, this is pretty cool. But at that point, we already started, I started transitioning out of the, so for four years, I had my portrait photography business. And at that point, when I started talking to my clients more about health, and was getting excited more about that than actually wanting to do the shoots. Mm. I just realized, what am I doing? Like, I'm doing well with it. I had really great sales and my clients were super happy, but I was just miserable. Like, mm. I hated actually doing it. Mm. I wish that the weather was crap so that we could cancel. I wish that they would call up and something would come up, some emergency, and we'd have to postpone the shoot. Mm. And I was never 100% happy with them. But that's the perfectionist in me. Mm. And not until many years after I closed my business. it's not easy business, working with families too, right? No, like with that's, kids, it's with It's very unpredictable and, with yeah. kids, yeah. So I'd always have this idea in my head. I think my expectations would end up uh, holding me back of being satisfied with the end result because I do all of this research and sort of do like a mood board on Pinterest and get all really excited about, you know, the location and what we were doing. And then we'd get there and it's like you literally, the kid might be in a bad mood or they might not have had enough sleep or something's happened and you just can't control that. Yeah. And or there might not be a kid that smiles that easily or there might be, you know, a toddler that's just started calling so they literally cannot sit still. Yeah. So it's or they're just, they don't like to be by themselves in front of a camera. Yeah. So there was so many different barriers and I just would always leave going, that was nothing like what I imagined it being like. Mm. And I don't even know if I got any photos out of that. Yeah. So that was like the narrative in my head. But then outside looking in, because Marsha would have people come to our home and she'll do these in-person viewings. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. So the family come over and do a viewing of all the photos that you had selected, the final photos and um sometimes it would end in tears because i was so happy at what you've captured and basically every single time all your clients are really happy with your work yeah but i know that for you though you still weren't meeting your own expectations but i think it's i mean not to talk down that my photography wasn't good because now when i look back at it i'm actually really happy with a lot of the work that i did sure But it's like, it's pictures of their own kids, like as if they're not going to love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's an easy pitch. Yes. But in saying that, I was always much harder on myself than like 
you and my mom were my biggest fans and yep. you'd always like, cause I'd always run things past you and be like, what do you think of this photo? Is it any good? And I'm like, I'm not happy with the photos. And then I'd show you the pictures and you'd both look at me like, are you mad? <laughs> so you, you, you're an excellent portrait photographer. And you still kind of act the same now with food photography. <laughs> yeah. Not as much, but like you, you always want to do better. So Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some times where I'm like, I nailed that. Yes. I'm really happy with the pictures, yep. but that's like 20% of the time. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But long story short, well, it was a long story long. I, that's kind of like where my so blogging that's, experience that's started. started. Sure. And then as I transitioned from there. From my photography business, I started learning health coaching. I signed up to a health coaching course. Yes. And then my passion for health and and uh, well-being and eating well kicked in. And that's kind of what I started pursuing. And then I was blogging in that. Sure. So, what yeah. was your photography website called? Just my name. You made a name. So, Marsha Zarich. Was it MarshaZarichPhotography.com or MarshaZarich.com? It started... No, I think it was just MarshaZarich.com. Okay, MarshaZarich.com. And yeah, those uh, your websites were incredible because I remember looking into all of them and how you put that content together. Eventually, you you were teaching mums how to take photos as well on digital SLRs. Yeah. So, you put a lot of that content on your blog too. So, I'm just filling in the gaps that you may have missed as well. Because I tend to filter quite a lot because <laughs> yeah. I forget things as well. Um, but then, yeah, you went into health coaching and from my memory, the the course that you took was very big on self-promotion and content marketing and blogging, weren't they? Yeah. That well, was it like was like setting up your own business, like how to be a health coach. Yeah, that and was, get clients. And, yeah. And then a blog was like a... I, I, I don't know. I seem to remember in 2014, it was... There were so many health coach bloggers out there. Like those, like it was kind of booming market. But so again, we were in that bubble. We were in the bubble. It's maybe bigger now, but, but it wasn't 12, 2014. It was like twenty twelve. Really into twenty thirteen because we started the minimalist vegan twenty fourteen. Oh yeah, it would have been twenty thirteen uh, or earlier. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm getting my timelines wrong. So yeah, it would have been twenty. I think it was twenty thirteen. So what was your health coach website? So that I did a combination of recipes. And, what, was, what was it called? Uh, it was still under my name. Uh-huh. But the main, or was it createhealthyhabits.com? I can't remember because I knew that my tagline was create healthy habits. Sure. And my whole thing was I wasn't interested in being a health coach in that sense of like seeing clients and guiding them through it because I just didn't see it as a, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't something that people would actually pay for, to be sure, honest. Right. Where we live. Yeah. Anyways. And so I actually was interested more, though, in doing um, kitchen audits. Sure. And going through people's pantries, going through their fridge, going through what they consume on a daily basis and helping them switch over to healthier alternatives by educating them 
yep. and going through what they're currently consuming and really explaining to them why they shouldn't be consuming certain things and why they should continue doing what they're doing with other things. Yep. Because it can be tricky when you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So, and even when, so I took them shopping as well. I'd take them to the supermarket, to the markets, all that sort of stuff. And so I'd kind of blog about that. Yes. Um, and things to switch out in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. And I had a massive list of blog topic ideas. Yes. But for some reason, it just wasn't really like doing it for me. And it didn't feel like I could find that proper niche or as some people say niche where I was happy with who I was focusing on. Yeah, because we've got a few different examples here, right? Because with your photography business, you did a really great job from when you started your portrait photography business you cancelled down to families young families in nature like Like families that were into like healthy eating and yes all of the things that i guess i was preaching with my later business i kind of wanted to emphasize with the type of clients that i was getting yeah through my photography and and you were successful that so you're able to attract those people now for me it was you know, astrology, airy star sign, cancelling down, cancelling down. And then with the health coaching, I think you're trying to find that same sort of angle. If I can just interject here, because I think at the same time as you're doing that is when I started my second blog. Yeah. Which was also in services and coaching, but more around the business side. Because when Marshall was going through this journey in photography, at the time I was working, uh, well, I had experience working in accounting and finance. And so naturally, I just have an interest in the back end of her business where it started off with finance, but then it became more about like the apps and the systems and the tools that she was using to like, you know, manage all of her clients, like how she would communicate with her clients, her email marketing software, a little bit of help with the website. And because of all of my experimentation with aerosology, I learned through that that there was a, a whole profession around something called a virtual assistant Hmm. which is basically actually we wanted to look for a virtual assistant for your business (laughs) for your photography business because there was a lot of admin that needed to get done there was a lot more things you could have been doing to share on social media from marketing from client management and and let's be honest a lot of the crap that i didn't want to do yeah you just wanted to focus on photography and editing and clients so uh, we tried to look for some help and at the time we're looking for, there's a, a huge market of virtual assistants in the Philippines that help support their economy. But when you do the currency conversion, it ends up being quite affordable for people in, uh, who are in our situation. So we actually conducted some interviews with these virtual assistants and figured out if they could maybe come on for five to 10 hours a week to help out with some admin and through that experience of interviewing them, I'm like, you know what? I could, I could actually do this myself. Hmm. So I started so focusing. So you applied for the job? Yeah. So I started <laughs> focusing more on helping you out with your photography business outside of my day job. And you were much cheaper than they. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm like, man, I'm going to like be a virtual assistant for photographers. So I started a website under my own personal name as well, michaelofay.com. Because you had experience now and you could talk from experience having implemented things in my business. Absolutely. So it wasn't like it was totally from scratch and no. 
having to do research and because uh, that's hard like the back end to learn without having a business how to help others with it yes. can be difficult oh incredibly difficult but yeah so i got up this website and i focused all of my copywriting and positioning to talk to the pain points of photographers because i knew that really well <laughs> living under the same roof as you and i knew the things that they didn't want to do in their business but they knew they had to do so I was able to communicate that and in two weeks I had two clients. No, in one week I had two clients. And basically that just meant that at, you know, maybe five hours a week, 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week, depending on their needs, I would help them remotely with some admin in their business. And then I would use blogging as a way to showcase what I knew about streamlining a photography business to give them confidence. So when they came to the website, not only did they see, oh, these are your services, but he's got... 10 articles actually teaching me something so i trusted him more to hire him so that's where i had my second foray into blogging at the same time you're doing the health coaching and ironically we're both sort of focusing on clients at that time but i think like previous projects it just didn't feel right like there was a path if there was definitely uh, room to persevere with it but we just weren't all that intrinsically motivated to continue over a long term because if you look at the future but i know i can just talk i'll let you share about maybe why you stopped healthy habits but for my virtual assistant project it was like you know the whole reason that i was interested in blogging full-time as you said before was to be able to sort of have your own schedule and to be your own boss and but when you're working with clients you go from one boss at work to multiple Mm. right and it actually creates a lot more pressure than you think because particularly if you're high achievers like us wanting to fulfill and to please and to make sure we're doing a good job um, on deadline and doing that consistently is actually quite hard and I remember we constantly talked about having our tension in multiple areas all the time and uh, it was quite complicated so for me it was just like and by the way, we weren't doing this full time. No. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like we had this to to do. Yes. And then we had our part-time jobs as yes. well on the side. Or were you working full time as well? I, I was working part time in a um, finance uh, oh, right. with a friend's business yeah. in personal finance. I had two virtual assistant clients. I was running the blog. I still had Aerosology in the background and I was trying to wrap up my degree. So, oh so do, do you remember these conversations? It was like there was just too much going on. And, and then my father passed away that year and it was just like it was too overwhelming. Um, so that's kind of what led me to the end of that project. It was just too many different things going on. Yeah. What was your experience with, health, with your health coaching blog? Do you remember what happened there? I just remember it feeling like it's just not like I wanted to do it. But I didn't have as much motivation as I felt like I needed to. Sure. And it just felt like it wasn't moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that for the service that I was offering and for how many hours I had to invest into it, I just felt like people were not prepared to pay two to $300 for me to redo their kitchen and take them shopping. Mm. Because that's like I would be investing about 10 to 15 hours of my time into it and that's like minimum wage. Yeah. 
to be able to make it feasible. Yes. So, I mean, I did a few clients sort of just to test out the waters and get an idea of what was, you know, like what other people's kitchens were like because mine was completely different, obviously, to what your average household was and what kind of questions and problems and help people actually needed. So I, at that point, my mum had opened up her own naturopathy clinic and I was working as her manager slash receptionist. And so I got a couple of clients to do through her for free. And I don't know, there was just something that just didn't quite feel right about it. Like I enjoyed it and I think I impart a lot of knowledge onto them. But at the same time, it just didn't feel like something that I could see myself doing long term. And it was quite labor intensive. Mm. And to do like even just a couple a week, I mean, a couple a week, like I think a lot of people underestimate how much work and how hard it is to just get two clients a week, Mm. you know, to just sell two courses a week, to just, you know, to do all of these things that we think, well, it's just two, there's billions of people on this planet, surely (laughs) I can, you know, get that going. Yes. Yes, I think that's kind of like where the friction was and I I didn't, it just didn't feel like that was it. You know, I was kind of in that phase of searching for something that felt more right. Yes. And that, it just didn't feel that sure. like that. So then we find ourselves in a situation at the end of 2014 with websites all over the place mm. and a desire for simplicity because at that point we had really been learning a lot about minimalism and we've been applying it in other areas of our life. But then when we looked at our professional situation, it was very cluttered. And uh, earlier that year, we became vegan as well. So we had always talked about working together. Hmm. We talked about working together in your photography business. And that like every time that was a conversation, I got so excited because I felt like you could add so much value to my photography business. Hmm. But then it was like, if you made that commitment to come and join me and I was not even sure about my own business, I felt really guilty. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. So even though that excited me, I was still really scared on the inside sure. to make sure that, well, if he's, you know, joining me, what's the point if I'm not enjoying this myself? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So though we, we, we wanted to do something together. We knew we wanted to work together. We wanted to simplify. So what did we do? We stopped everything. <laughs> We quit all of our websites and winded them down. And then we we thought about the minimalist vegan. We were so blown away by how other bloggers had influenced us to live you know, live a minimalist vegan lifestyle. But there wasn't a blog that was talking about both lifestyles together. Mm. And we saw that they were interconnected. So we brainstormed all these different ideas. We, I remember even then we were talking about a podcast, we are talking about a blog, we are talking about all these different things that we had plans for. But we also wanted to start a blog because we knew the value of holding ourselves accountable in public because of our previous experiences. And also to each other. You and know, to each like other, yep. You push yourself along just because you've said you're going to write this blog post. If you say that to yourself, you can easily make up 110 excuses as to why you've got other things to do. Yes. And don't have time to do it. But if I said to you, I, I'm doing this recipe and you're like, good, 
like, you know, if we have a particular schedule, there is accountability there. Yes. And you don't want to let the other person down. Yes. Yeah, so we sat down, we talked about it, we brainstormed some ideas. We knew we wanted to talk about the two lifestyles. And I know you were particularly passionate about food. Like that was sort of in, it's like in your DNA. It's like you wanted to do food photography first before portrait photography. Um, You love food. And I loved writing. Just writing. I just just loved writing (laughs) and particularly about lifestyle and philosophy and things. So uh, you came up with the idea, why don't we just call it the minimalist vegan? And it just felt right. So we did. We just started with, and we didn't, we started it without any expectations because we'd learned. We'd learned, we'd learned from working with clients, trying to start e-commerce stores, um, working with professional design. Like we, we just had so many experiences at this point of online things that we just wanted something pure, simple, but we took really, really, really seriously and that we did together. Yeah. I mean, we did have not expectations, but we took it seriously to a point where you literally came up with a list of 500 bloggers to email. Like who does that? So, yeah, let's talk about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I've never heard of anybody else do that. So, <laughs> so to So, this is to my give you some, people. <laughs> so, to give you some context, the first thing... Uh, okay, so we... Why we're excited to work together is because we felt like we had complementary skills. Yeah. So... Like, I would not think to email <laughs> 500 people. <laughs> so, I like... I, I'm just like a hustler. I, I love doing things. So, give people a bit of context because you're in real estate. So, yes. when Michael was in real estate, he was the type that would still go door knocking and would still call people where no one was doing that anymore because they just couldn't be bothered and it was old fashioned and they just didn't have the balls to do it. Whereas you sat down and you just made the calls because you had to do them. Real estate taught me a lot about just uh, the work, you know, like doing doing repeatable, repeatable, dare I say, boring and dare I say, intimidating things over and over and over again. And uh, I don't know if any any of you have done this, but like, you know, knocking knocking on doors and talking to strangers for two hours on a Thursday afternoon is pretty intimidating. And like but, even just getting them to like e- open the door, first of all, yeah. not be peeking through a little <laughs> hole going, what do you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're on their property. Yeah. You're interfering them. They're going to come to the door with their guard up. Yes. Like going, what does this dude want? Yes. So it's not easy. But it makes you feel alive because like, you know, being being so young and and walking around neighborhoods. Slightly and naive maybe too. Naive, of course. <laughs> um, and yeah, being able to connect with people and having people invite me into their house and talk about their property and you talk know, about their life story, talk about their life story. And then it becoming a client down the track. It's, it's pretty amazing. So I took a lot of this mentality into everything else that I do now to this day, mm. um, because in, in, in real estate, it wasn't even though, you know, I've got a tertiary background in education and I come from a family of, you know, more or less academics and professionals. Like in in real estate, it's really not about that. It's about connecting with people and it's about hard work. Did you make 100 calls this week or not? You know, because that's the stuff that's going to move the needle. How many Mm -hmm. people did you talk to today? Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, that's the only thing that really matters. And it doesn't matter how really how smart you are. It's about how you connect with people and are you connecting with a lot of people. So when we launched the blog, it was always my plan to first come up with a landing page, so a coming soon page. So the minimalistvegan.com, all it would say is that, you know, we've got a website coming out and there was a box, like there was a box on the screen for people to enter their email address to sign up to find out when the website was live but it looked really professional so i just wanted to connect with bloggers in our industry a lot of vegan bloggers minimalist bloggers landing page yeah looked good for people to be like wow these guys like i'm looking forward to this stuff yeah it's and and they're they're serious Mm -hmm. they take this seriously so i i actually just wanted to connect so with as many people as possible and we did and we had a lot of people respond to our to our individual emails saying that oh my god like thank you for reaching out and we look forward to when you launch let us know when you launch we got a lot of those type of emails back in the meantime if you learn a little bit about Marsha, she is incredibly visual and has very high visual design photography standards so it wasn't it (laughs) We talked about how we wanted the website to look and feel and we both agreed that we couldn't do it ourselves. We didn't have the skills to build our vision. So we worked with a designer again and we, between the both of us, we'd worked with a lot of freelancers. But luckily we had a friend from high school who was a really talented designer who was able to basically design the website that you see today. And so we got it professionally designed and coded and... We got we did a professional photo shoot because we realized that those uh, we well we always have professional photography for our previous blogs because you're a photographer, but again we wanted to create a really great visual experience with the website, so we thought that was important. So those if you if you think about it, we invested thousands of dollars into the minimalist before vegan. we even press publish on our Be- first blog post. Exactly before we even got to that point. And most people like today, you wouldn't have to do that much. It's much more accessible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have to go to those lengths. But we just want to share our story and yeah. and the accumulation of what we've learned and our expectations going But even then, it. I don't think that most – like there'd be blogs out there that would be very popular and get a lot of visits that didn't look anywhere as good as ours did. Oh, yeah. And they'd be making money from it. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. we weren't – we didn't intend to make money from it. <laughs> We just wanted to connect. We wanted to grow our mailing list. We just, you know. Yeah, we just wanted to build an, an, an audience around these two lifestyles. Before we launched, we also did a free cookbook. Yeah. So Marsha put together this incredible uh, one week of meals cookbook. and uh, So that had yeah, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yep. And then an additional two recipes. Yep. So there was, what, 23 recipes. 23 or recipes, yeah. And uh, I had to convince her that, hey, let's give it away for free. Um, I was like, all that hard work <laughs> and you want me to just give it to people? Yeah, because the idea was uh, – and, and look, if on the modern internet now, every website you go on is has got pop-ups asking you to enter your email address for a checklist, for a book, for a guide, for app information. Like, that's what's called a freebie. So this is like an exchange for your email address to build the email list because when somebody visits your website, you know, unless they follow you on social media or they come in your email list, they may not come back. 
you know, they might find you from Google and they might not come back. So and cause having there's a so way, many blogs, yeah. you know, so many websites that you might enjoy it, but you might forget about it because you visited another 10 in space of a week. Yes. So having an email list gives you a chance to communicate with them in the future. So that was a really important thing. In fact, that was the only thing we cared about when we launched the website is getting people to enjoy our content and then to get the free cookbook. Get the free cookbook for the email address and then continue to connect with us. So that's what we did. So the combination of the free cookbook, the design, the content that we came out with and then all the people we emailed, it meant that when we launched in March 2015 we had a lot of traction very quickly yeah. because we had a lot of people wanting to share our website straight away. A lot of people signing up for the free cookbook. So we already had an audience. So even within the first 60 days, we had a thousand people on our email list. So all of a sudden, like we had people to communicate with, to share our new content. And then that grew, grew, grew really, really fast. Yeah. Um, But even though we had traction early, we were still running the minimalist vegan as a side hustle, mm. right? Because we had day jobs. Yeah. And it was a really good balance for us because like, even though it was a big commitment compared to where we were previously, where we had so many different websites, but we weren't able to give much attention to anything. We just had the minimalist vegan. So like outside of work, we'll just come home and work on the minimalist vegan or I'll Working on and that during my seemed lunch like break. nothing to us yeah. compared to what it was, <laughs> and that seems like even just those two commitments seems like a lot. Yeah, it's it's ironic when you look back now. Mm. And then we decided to open up an online <laughs> store on top of that. We're like, that's not enough. Let's, let's go into that. <laughs> let's not let's not um unpack that in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're blogging this whole time on the minimalist vegan and just sharing. The experiences we're going through, you know, we experimented with turning off our Wi-Fi overnight. We experimented with how we can maximize sleep. We experimented with, you know, sharing other vegan blogs that we loved. Of course, this whole time, Marshall was consistently creating recipes hmm. um, that she loved so and photographed. So did we start with two posts a week? Yeah, we started off with two posts. So one article, one recipe. Yes, and yeah. then we went down. When we launched to one, yeah, because we had the store. online store, so yeah. then we were capacity, and then we got lazy. We missed. Like there was like one or two posts a month for a little while there. Yeah. Um, but we kept on publishing. We've remained consistent over the years. But I think blogging really tests your commitment because it's like you're only accountable to yourself. Luckily for us, I think why we didn't persevere with previous projects is we didn't have that accountability. But then, and let's be honest, it wasn't as good as this one. <laughs> no, it wasn't as good. But I think I think the fact that we we're working we've been working together and also doesn't tie like minimalism and veganism are our core values yes you know what i mean so it's kind of like something that you believe in so deeply that it's not like oh maybe i don't know how i feel about it anymore and you know that sort of feeling yeah and i think and i think if you're listening to this and and maybe you're interested in getting into blogging or content creation and man, I remember the the pressure of choosing a topic. Mm. You know, like what am I going to write about? What am I going to create a video about? What am I going to start a podcast about? And as you can see through our experience, it's very messy. Like we went through four websites and we had to get an understanding of what it felt like to try and create that type of content to then narrow down more and more in terms of what we actually wanted to talk about. And... Sometimes 
you might pick a topic and you, you've nailed it out of the gates. That's the topic for you. But sometimes, well, more often than not, it's a journey like ours where you you know, take two steps forward, three steps back and, and you're trying to figure it out until eventually you find a topic that's for you. But I think you're right. The fact that it was so close, to, well, it was like the minimalism and veganism are so close to who we are. Yeah. It just made it so much easier. Mm. And for the longevity of it as well. But I think it also helped that we had, we bit, built an email list early mm. because we we're accountable to people. We yeah. told them that we we're going to be sending In their them inbox. A, yeah. a newsletter twice a week at the time. And now it's once a week every Sunday. So we had to show up. <laughs> Unless you subscribe to specific yes. mailing lists. Like yes. you just want to hear about articles, you just want to hear about podcast when it comes out or recipes then then they're separate otherwise the slow sunday mornings is what originally started as part of the yeah yeah and that's huge i mean having the drawing a line in in the sand and saying that we're going to be consistent for you as an audience is that's really motivating to stay consistent Mm. so as we're doing this as a side hustle we knew we had something special of course we thought about monetizing but with this project we just we were it really was like our little baby. Yeah. You know, we felt really precious about it and we didn't want to spoil the experience for ourselves or for anyone reading our website because we were just so proud of it and we wanted to be different. We didn't want to just make money for the sake of making money from it and ruin that for ourselves. And it was like that for a really long time. We became really precious about it. For sure. We just wanted to protect the purity. Yeah. Uh, it, and every time we thought about monetizing, we're like, no, we can't do that. It just won't feel right. Like it's, you know, and a few times we kind of considered doing like other side things or yeah. something that was slightly attached but not completely attached that could make money so that we didn't have to jeopardize yes. the purity of the minimalist vegan itself. Yes. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I don't know. What things that we can – do you remember what we – well, what have we tried to do over the years with The Minimalist Vegan? So, Well, while we had The Minimalist Vegan, you actually wanted to start a minimalist blogging website. Remember that? Yes. And that was close to launch and then you pulled a plug. <laughs> yes. We've done minimalist courses. Yes. Which was a recent thing as well. Yes. And we pulled the plug on that because, again, it was taking our attention away and it just didn't feel quite right. Yes. But it's something that we may dabble into again in the future. Yeah. Depending on how it goes. But yeah. Yeah. But course creation is very demanding. Yeah. Yep. Then you also wanted to do another type of course through another platform. Yep. So there's been courses throughout. We thought about, I think, I remember early on when we were traveling to Europe, I know you're keen on doing sponsorships Mm. uh, and working with brands then. And then, like when we did the. Uh, we launched our first book at the beginning of yes. last year. Then we were thought building on the momentum of that to write so the our book, second and so third the book, and fourth. So the book thing was interesting because that that was our the first time we actually monetized the minimalist vegan. Yeah, because we wrote the book and we yeah. So we when we did we publish it January two thousand eighteen. That I even remember, and I won't forget this because it was like remember how. When we were just wrapping up our Europe trip and you wanted to launch a, a 
a book on, I think it was like bulk cooking or something. Oh, yes. And so I like went through this whole process of at my grandma's house. I was working on the computer trying to get this, the front cover of the book done and designed. And then I hired all these designers to get it done through 99 Designs. And then I didn't like any of them. So I just like stuffed this, cancelled it and just made it myself. And then we canned that project as well. (laughs) So, yeah, if you look on our on our um like our google drive there's so many projects we've started and we haven't followed through with there's some projects we have followed through with and then we've killed um but the book was we also thought about patreon yeah we thought about patreon at a time at, at some point but the book was the first thing that we it just felt right it felt like launching a blog in the first place we wanted to you know a lot of people expected us to publish a cookbook first yeah. Um, Some people thought that it was a cookbook, yeah. even though we made it very clear that it wasn't. Yes. We decided to self-publish. Um, so we didn't pitch our manuscript to any publishers because at the time we we didn't... We wanted to launch the book exactly the way we wanted to do it. We wanted a minimalist book, meaning that we wanted it to be really short, to be read within a couple of hours and to be very punchy. And we already had an audience, so we thought, well, you know, we're already... For that project, it just didn't feel like it made sense. Well, but I, but I also think it's like we could, with self-publishing, like with a traditional publisher, it could take, it usually takes at least two years before yeah. you even see the book. Yeah. So with this, we had speed. We could publish it as quickly as we wanted to. And so we did. So we're really proud of completing that book. And that's when we started to see money come in. So the first month, it was like over $1,000 in royalties, mainly from Amazon. Mm. And then it sort of averaged about $500 a month for the first year and then it dropped down to about $300 a month uh, since. And that was really helpful to help us cover some of the the expenses. The overheads. The overheads yeah. in running a blog, particularly when you get a larger site, like with more traffic, yeah. then you've got to sort of pay the for a higher quota gets, for, a yeah. for your web hosting. Um, and for mailing lists and mailing lists and yeah it's like all this software which you wouldn't think it really adds up so that was really helpful for that and it was really motivating and then we started thinking oh let's write another book and let's write this book and let's do this and oh let's do a cookbook so there's been a lot of projects that we've kind of thought about but it's just honestly it's more so than anything it's just time management and trying to find the time and the commitment that it takes to be able to do that because like now we publish three times a week and you know at the time when we were thinking about that we didn't have the podcast so it wasn't three times well, a week we, and we weren't full-time yeah so, so that's being full-time is like because when you're working on your blog part-time you only have so many hours that you can work with so mm. and that was a huge motivation for us to become full-time is because we saw so much potential and what like it's not like we didn't have anything to do we had a long list of everything that we wanted to do to sort of grow the the audience and the message and create some really cool things. So that's where like the philosophy of minimalist money, which we talked about in previous podcasts, really helped us to put us in a position where we could be full time, even though we weren't earning 
full-time income, but we were able to put ourselves in a position financially to take that risk because we Which didn't have any debt. For. We didn't have any debt. We have very minimal overhead. So that was, we're really grateful to be in this situation. But through this year, you know, through experimenting with some different things, you know, now we've got a good, we've got a good balance. Like we've found a bit of a model between the book royalties. Uh, we do run uh, display ads on our website now, which perform really well. And we do work with brands in partnerships. Um, in terms of affiliates, not terms of paid affiliates, yes. sponsorship and ads in terms like ad placement for particular products and like basing a whole article on a product or service or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, not, we're not really interested in that type of yeah. stuff. We like... Complete creative control. So of I'm what just we trying make. to yeah. make sure that I say specifically what we're doing, so we don't get <laughs> someone <laughs> listening to this might be like, "Oh, let's pitch it. Let's pitch them for this." Uh, good call. Good call. Yes. So we've got a good balance because between display ads, affiliate revenue, and book royalties, you know, it's not client work, so we're not like stuck with multiple clients. And we can still be doing what we want to. And be we doing. just need to create content, right? Yeah. And it all scales up. So that's what's really exciting and, uh, and, you know, our income's growing and we're getting closer and closer to our enough number, which will give us that flexibility in the future for being location independent. Uh, one of those goals being to move to Europe, but just generally being having the flexibility to have choice about where we live and how we spend our time and our schedule. Yeah. So, so you might be wondering what we do on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> what oh, do yeah. we do, Michael? Because like... There's even people that I'm close to that just like go, so what did you do this week? And you kind of, I sometimes go, I've got no idea, but I was busy all the time. There's always, always something to do. Yeah. And for us, rather than thinking like, okay, like what do we do next? It's more like what is the most important thing (laughs) for us to do because there's 20 things to do at any given time. Yes. So... Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think the core of what we do is to create free content. So, and that looks like a, at the beginning of the week is a podcast. On Friday, it's a recipe. And on Sunday, it's an article. So all of that content helps us to add value to our readers and our well not readers, our audience, because blogging has definitely evolved beyond just writing. But it also enables us to grow our audience because more people find out about the content. And uh, when you look at just that task on its own, we worked out that every piece of content we create takes us roughly between 10 to 15 hours to create. from start to finish. Yeah, and start to finish would be researching the topic or the recipe or what you're going to talk about to outlining to experimenting experimenting in the kitchen kitchen, buying ingredients all that stuff and then to editing 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 adding media to the content and promoting it uh it takes a really long time it didn't always take that long because when we started we our standards weren't as high and we didn't have as much skill with content i mean we didn't know this is a thing and this is where we're kind of now backtracking and and where looking at how we can better the content how we can make it more valuable to our audience so and this is where currently where we're at and that's what's taking up a lot of our time is trying to go through old content and implement the new 
things that we've learned to make sure that what we're actually putting out there is the best that it can possibly be. So, you know, we've got, what, over 260 bits of content. Well, or almost 300, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, there you go. I mean, I guess when you block three, blog three times a week, it adds up quite quickly. Yeah, and this is blogging three times a week since April. And we've also deleted quite a bit of content because we're trying to improve it all the time. Yeah. So, it's like if it's really, if there's not much to it and we're not happy with it to the point where it's just... We might as well scrap it and start from scratch. Then yep. that's where we'll be going. Yeah. Because we want the experience to be when you visit the Minimalist Vegan that, you know, when you click on one piece of content and it might take you to, there might be a link to another piece of content. It's a similar type of experience for the quality. Like we want the type of feeling that when we go on somebody else's blog, that it's like, oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. And then you right hand click, open in the new tab. Oh, that looks interesting too. Oh, yes. let me look at that. Yeah. And then you get wrapped up in, you know, r- looking like at different binge. recipes. It's like binging. Yeah. Binge blogging. Or even just, yep. you know, when you're listening to this podcast, oh, that, that topic looks interesting. Or let me, you know, like we have a lot of people that we know that tune in weekly. Yes. And it's interesting. This podcast has actually given us, since we launched it, with what, this will be the 35th? 37th. 37th yep. podcast episode. We've had a lot of positive feedback from it, from people that they know so much about us, but we know nothing about them. And it's the same with blogging, but I think that the podcast yeah. is like people have opened up so much more and have connected with us from all over the world. Just yeah. email us just to say hi and introduce themselves and share a bit of how they connected with what we're talking about. It's crazy. I think we touched on this on one of our early episodes about why we're starting a podcast, but the you know people skim through an article more mm. or less these days, and with a recipe, it's like you're there for a goal. Yeah, you're trying to cook something. Yeah. So, but with a podcast, it's like you can people multitask. expect. Well, they you can multitask, but people expect that they're going to like probably get through the whole episode. Mm. And at the rate of the, <laughs> the rate we're going with this one, this is going to be well over an hour, but. People spending a lot of time with you virtually, yeah, um, in all of these sessions. So the engagement is really and high. it's easier to consume, yes. you know. Like, and this is why we are now transitioning more to audiobooks as well. Because, like, how many of us have a book sitting on our bedside table that we've been wanting to read? Like, I'm so guilty of that. I always have a book on my bedside table that I never touch. Yes. I'm too tired to read it or I just don't have time to read it. But sometimes you just want to consume really interesting and different content. Yes. So an audiobook's perfect because you can get that same information but in a format where you can multitask as yes. well. You can be cooking, you can be cleaning, you can be taking your dog out. There's, you know, commuting and so many people commute for hours upon hours every single week. The amount of books that I'd be able to get through if I just plugged <laughs> myself in and listened yeah. to them instead. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Amazing. Anyways. And it's funny you bring that up, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> so we may have a way for people to get started with audiobooks. In fact, we one of our partners, uh, you know, well, one of our currently our only partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, our partner with this podcast is you you know, if you visit our special link, you'll be able to go and get an audiobook for free. And you, so you get one credit 
and you can pick basically any audio book you want out of 180,000. No, no matter how much it's worth. It's interesting because when I go into like the iTunes store or like iBooks or I go into the Audible store, audiobooks are typically pretty expensive. Like they yeah, can get I up was to actually like, really surprised when I first looked at audiobooks. I was like, what? You pay that much for an audiobook? Yeah, this is like... Anywhere from $15 to 30 or $50, depending what the book is or how many hours it is. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of work to produce it. So, mm. so you get one credit towards any book of your choosing. Yeah. And, so, get uh, the most expensive one so, you can find. Yeah. <laughs> just, just hack it that way. But all you need to do is visit our link, which is audibletrial.com slash The Minimalist Vegan. So we'll that's, put that in the show notes as well. And we'll put well. it in the show notes as well. Uh, it will be in the description of this podcast. Yeah, so whichever app you're listening to, you, yes. it'll be on there as well. Yeah, um, so that's audibletrial.com slash The Minimalist Vegan. And yeah, let us know what book you start off with. So yeah, so it you know content's changing, but yeah, between optimizing old content and creating new content at the standard that we want, like to put into perspective, Marsha might test a recipe three times before she publishes it. Or some more, but some, yeah. some even more than that. You know, an article that I might write is could get to over five thousand words, uh, and there's a lot of research that goes into the into that post. And then the podcast, the editing can take quite a long time to clean it up as much as possible. So it just those things take a long time to do. And if you're a good full time blogger, that we know some of these people who are incredibly organised, they have they're so committed that they they schedule their content out in advance like up to three months up to three months of content like you know we're talking about three pieces of content a week so 12 12 to 16 pieces of content a month in advance which is absolutely incredible so you need to do a lot of work up front to get to that point in between all of that you've got managing your accounting and finances you've got email lists you've got just emails. Emails in general. The social media that needs to happen. Uh, Marsha is really great at spending a lot of time in Pinterest. That also helps our traffic as well. But there's a lot of commitment in that too. So it's... There's a lot of decisions just even on a daily basis that absolutely. we've got to make as a team to see which direction we're going to go and with certain things. Like even yes. just searching for you know, exploring different recipes and going, well, do people actually search for something like this? Yeah. You know, just to make sure that people will actually find a recipe if I put in all this effort to make it yes. and make it well, um, people will actually find it and use it. So, yes. yeah. Absolutely. You don't want to be wasting your time on things that only 50 people might see. And, you know, out of those 50 people that see it, two might try it. Yes. It's just not worth my 10 to 15 hours a week, to be honest. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. So, there's a lot of research that goes into that too. So, um, yeah, that's what our week looks like. It's it's just 80% of our time is in content. Thinking about content, planning content, writing content, editing content, promoting content. Recording content. Recording content. <laughs> so, that's that. So we're basically uh, activating creativity research analytical critical thinking all the time and i think it's it's probably heightened at the moment because we are still going through that old content yes and trying to make it better so and we're transitioning certain things like um, i'm updating recipes with a new type of recipe card which means the way that you see the recipe is a little bit better to engage with and read 
than how we used to have it before. Yeah. So there's just a lot of little things that we want to sort of improve to make the experience better for you. Yes. And and with that also comes with like there's a yeah, there's a lot of technical stuff that comes with maintaining a website and making sure it's running fast. It's yeah. loading properly on mobile yeah. and desktop. That and you can see the writing that it's not really small. Yeah. That you don't have to keep you know, zooming in on your phone or your iPad or... Yeah. So... So, yeah, there's a lot of technical things that come up. But, look, I think we've got to wrap this up because we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. I just wanted to wrap up by just asking you, uh, through this whole blogging journey, when the you were first introduced to the concept of blogging and now being a, a full-time blogger, what have you got out of the experience? What did you think then? What do you think now? And what have you learned like I, just generally. I mean, oh, what have I learned? Do you have another hour? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like when I first started dabbling in it with my photography business, it was there to like support and to to share things with people. It wasn't there as a as a way of being myself completely and getting overly excited about things. But as the journey goes deeper and deeper into this blogging sphere for us, I've learned so much. Like I've become such a better writer. I've become such a better cook. Like I actually, and a photographer as well, because I'm shooting stuff all the time and I'm experimenting with things. And for me, it's always been, if you haven't noticed a pattern with me, I'm always trying different things to see what will make me happy. Because for me, I'm not interested in living life unless I'm enjoying life and mm. doing the things, spending my time, the core of my time doing things that I actually really enjoy. Because, I mean, I've worked in government jobs and I've worked in offices and that for me is like a death sentence. Some people love it. That's great. Mm. But it's just, it's not my thing. And I never saw myself in that type of environment. So I've always wanted to a degree be self-employed because I don't like listening to other people telling me what to do. And then, you know, also doing things, there's so much more satisfaction bringing something to life that was not there that you've created from literally nothing. Yeah. So I think that that's like over the years that's been something that I just still to this day find really fascinating mm. that you literally have crafted something that it could have gone a million different ways but it is what it is there for a reason and I believe yes. everything does happen for a reason yeah. and all of our previous journeys and everything that we've experimented with and everything that we've done up until this point has taught us something yes so I find that even if it was wrong, even if it was something, a hiccup, you know, we've had hiccups, we've had big hiccups, not like ginormous hiccups where it's like, you know, this you can't recover from, but we've had hiccups where we've kind of had to dust ourselves off, collect ourselves and keep going. Mm. And we're really lucky to have each other mm. because without that support and someone there to to guide, to help guide you through it and to bounce ideas off, I honestly don't know. We have, we wouldn't be where we are right now. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But, and even just in the business, sort of pl 
playing to our own strengths, as you mentioned before. I think that's really important. So there's things that I'm obviously better at than you and vice Mm. versa. So that's really important to acknowledge those things and play to those strengths, you know. Mm. And there's always things that we don't want to have to do. But I'd rather do that 10 times over than work for somebody else. Mm. And, you know, I think it's important for us to remind ourselves and be grateful for the opportunity that we've created. Yeah, I think you... Yeah, you you basically summarize all of the same feelings that I had as well. I think a big benefit is being able to work together. It's something that we had thought about, we had a dream of so many years ago. And it's it's not in your photography business, but it's ended up being something so much more special. And And I say it's a gift because working together, while that might be scary for a lot of people, and certainly there's... Re- there's there's valid reasons for that to be scary because it's it's not as amazing as what maybe a lot of people make it out to be because it's your spouse, you know. This is your life partner uh, and it's asking a lot to spend that much time together. But ironically, we don't get sick of each other. But more so, more than that, we, we've we learned a lot about each other and how to communicate better with each other. Like, as you said, we, we learn about our strengths and that's really valuable for our relationship like the starting any business you're going to have a lot of growth and you're going to learn a lot about yourself and other people and you know so having a blog together and working by side by side you you start to see each other in uncomfortable situations and you start to see what the other person's made out of and what they bring to the table and then those learnings sort of help our relationship more broadly and I think it's really helped our communication. Yeah. And it's really helped us to see our strengths, you know, which has been really valuable. But also I think the gift of blogging is just I still get so fired up when you create a piece of content that comes from the heart sometimes. Sometimes it comes from the head. Sometimes it's research-based, whatever it is, and the audience responds uh, I still love receiving emails and comments and all of that stuff. What it does for you to connect with like-minded people, like we've been fortunate to travel around the world and connect, uh, whether it's through meetups, uh, whether it's through meeting other bloggers, like we've met some incredible people and built some friendships through blogging that we would not have been, had access to without our blog. And of course, the fact that we're well on our way to you know, having this support us in our basic needs in a way that's agile and mobile is is something to be incredibly grateful for and as you can tell in our journey this has been something that we've been really intentional about pursuing and we've been very delicate about doing so it's it's been great and we just thought it would be something you guys might be interested in learning a little bit more about but also it's sort of an episode just for any other content creators out there to have a voice for them to communicate what's involved and how messy that journey can can be. So if you know somebody in your life who is doing something similar, whether it's YouTube, blogging, podcasting, or they're a social media influencer, whatever it is, it might give you a bit more insight into just how much work is involved and, and the trials and tribulations that one goes through to be able to create content. So that's it. 
Thanks for making it through if you've gotten all the way to the end of this episode. <laughs> Sounds like you must be interested in what we have to say then <laughs> on this topic. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, let us know if you enjoy this type of content. As I said, it was just really heavy last week and it was nice to just sort of talk about you know, something like blogging, which is a bit different. So if you are planning on starting something like this, hopefully you can go in with some, the right expectations. I know um, that it takes a lot of hard work and that you will have to sacrifice. Like there's a lot of things we have to say no to yes. because of what we do. Yes. And a lot of people don't see that. They just see us behind computers most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And we take breaks and we do all of these oh, things. Oh, yeah. And we should, oh, man, I don't want to extend this podcast longer, but like it is not glamorous. Working from home, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode about what it's like to work from home. But one thing that I would like to change in the future is like not spend as much time just like typing away behind a computer because that's effectively <laughs> what it looks like. If you look at what a you know somebody who is blogging all the time, it's just someone sitting behind a computer more or less. I mean, unless and they're a recipe developer, well, unless you do or your recipe do creation, yes, other stuff. Yeah, but I think eventually I'd like to like because creating content for a living, like. You, you uh, particularly from experiences, you need to have, you need to be living life. Yep. So I think that's what I love about The Minimalist Vegan is that it challenges us to live life more. And and I think I'd like to do more of that. Because and I think that this is where YouTube will start to step in. Yes. As well, which is what we plan to do at some point as well, which yes. we've talked about for a while. Like this podcast, we talked about for years before we actually started it, but... That'll actually challenge us to get, you know, behind the screen and in front of a screen. Yes. And to make things interesting, you kind of have to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. But yeah. we look forward to that challenge. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank Thanks you for, for tuning in. Tuning in, yeah. And we hope that you added, we added some value to you in whatever journey or even just you wanted to learn more about our journey. Yep of how we got into this and what we used to do and how we got to where we are right now. So, yeah, that's where we are at the end of October 2019. That's our story so far. And uh, continue listening to us and <laughs> paying attention to see what happens in the future. Because it can change at any moment. And that's something that we know uh, about this path. And it's interesting because there's a lot of things that, like, for me personally, I've had to... Because I struggle with change, as you know, Michael. Mm -hmm. And like sudden change and things that pivot and whatever. But it this blogging thing's not for everyone. And if I didn't have the support from someone that was more agile and challenged me in that way, I wouldn't be able to be doing this on my own. Mm. And the minimalist vegan wouldn't be where it was now if I didn't have that dynamic coming from you. So I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people if you do plan on going down this path that can challenge you and that can help you to grow as a person is what you mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Because you don't know like when a Google algorithm algorithm is going to change and your traffic drops or if... Something that you've been working on just all of a sudden you realize that it's been a big waste of time. Yeah, like an example is when 
were sharing things on Facebook in 2013 on Aerosology, uh, most people that followed your page would see that content. Uh, and then it, Facebook changed their algorithm and now 2%, you'd be lucky to get 2% of your followers to see your content. So what are you going to do then now? So if that was most how you're getting most of your traffic and visibility, how else are you going to do it? So, And you're constantly presented with those challenges in, yeah. in content creation. And especially when you're promoting and advertising on platforms that are out of your control that you don't actually own. Yes. So I think and that's one thing that we've learned is not to depend our growth and our traffic based on other platforms yes. that can change yeah. overnight. You yeah. know, like people that might completely put their eggs in the, the Pinterest basket. Yeah. And, you know, might be getting twenty to 30,000 views just from Pinterest and then something changes and they may might continue to only get a third of that going forward. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's just something to be very weary of technology and how social media in particular platforms can change. Yes, the internet changes all the time. And I think that this is one thing that we learned, especially with, you know, why we're, we're going back and... Because we've we've learnt a lot of things in the meantime, and now we're trying to improve that reader experience. Yes. For people, and we're changing that so that it's better. Yes. Anyways. So do we, we? We tried to wrap this up, didn't we? You did, but yeah. then I kind of got <laughs> carried away and okay. continued talking. So I'm sorry. Everyone. Let's not get us started on blogging again. All right. Is, all right. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. So there it is. Episode. 37 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. You can find links to the resources that we mentioned in the episode at our show notes, which will be theminimalistvegan.com slash 037. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 037. And of course, this episode is supported by our partner and sponsor, Audible, of which you can go and download your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash theminimalistvegan. Thank you so much for getting through that episode and for your support. As always, if you haven't left a review, would love your support to leave a rating or review on whatever podcasting app that you use or help other people find the show. If you have any questions about blogging or content creation or want to learn a little bit more, feel free to reach out to us directly as well. We're always happy to talk about these, these type of things with our audience. Anyway, here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Chat to you next week. Peace.